Hey everyone, welcome to Ubaldi Reports. Now this election season has been one for the ages. I mean, there's twists and turns at every potential spot and it just keeps getting continuing and it's also getting uglier as, as we go. This past weekend, uh, Donald Trump was interrupted with violence on the campaign trail in Ohio and in Chicago and Hillary Clinton is just, she's doing all right, but she's having, she's struggling to connecting with younger voters. Now, last week we saw Clinton and Trump do really well in the primaries and it looks like this could be the last gasp for Marco Rubio. If he doesn't win Florida, his home state, his campaign is virtually over and if John Kasich has to do well, he's leading the polls right now in Ohio. So we'll see how well he does. But in this race, there's a lot of things that have been unanswered. This past week, we saw many Democratic town halls, Republican debates, and Democratic debates. And there's so much that is left not answered. In this whole election cycle, I don't care what side you're on, Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative. In my estimation, the media has done a deplorable job on um, covering this race. They seem to be more about the theatrics of the candidates than actually asking the candidates and challenging them on their campaign rhetoric. For the big one I want to point to is Donald Trump. Since Donald Trump entered the race, he's rechanged the political rules. Everybody thought he would be out for some of the bold and crazy pronouncement that he's made and challenging some of the prevailing views viewpoints. But he's never really been challenged on the issues. They are so much caught up in the theatrics of how he says things and what he says more than digging deeper into what he actually stands for. On the Democratic side, it's between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Now, really, there's no reason for Hillary Clinton to be where she's at, but she does have the one thing that she can't seem to fix, trustworthiness. And that's where Bernie Sanders just come on the scene. He may not win, and looks like he probably won't win because she has a super delegates locked up. But Bernie Sanders did beat her in Michigan, a very Rust Belt state, and his core supporters are the young people who are dissatisfied with the Democratic establishment, and they just don't trust Hillary Clinton. Now, before we move on to the Republicans, I just want to comment on some things on the Democrat Democratic race. They've had a town hall, and they've had a debate. And the Democrats always seem to pivot back to the economy. So let's stay with that. The economy is one of the biggest issues for Democratic voters. And when they ask the candidates, Bernie Sanders is big on income inequality and the gap between the top 1% and everybody else. But there's a disconnect that never seems to be asked. President Obama keeps touting that the American economy is doing really well. Don't listen to the naysayers out there. And But he's really looking at it from the to the Republicans. But what has not been asked, if you, if you listen to the race, the Democrats have been saying the economy is lousy. The middle class are being steamrolled. So the question is, which is it? Is the, the economy doing well? Or if it's not, why not? What are some of the problems? But what are the candidates on the Democratic side going to do differently than Barack Obama. Now, Hillary Clinton touts Barack Obama. She's a supports Barack Obama and everything he did, and she's really linked to the hip to Barack Obama. But the question is, she also sounds that the economy is not doing well. So, how would she do? What would she do differently 
to change the shape of the U.S. economy, to jumpstart the listless growth that we've been seeing. Now, um, the GDP, even for last last year, was only like 2.4. The American economy has not been over 3% growth in any year since 2005. So the question is, what would Hillary Clinton do differently than Barack Obama? Forget challenging the Republicans for quit blaming the Republicans. We'll get to that in a moment. But the question is, what would you do differently to jumpstart the economy? How would you end the income inequality? How would you end the rising cost of college loans or student loan debt? Now, everyone focused in close. Bernie Sanders is a big supporter of free education, but he had never said how is he, how would he pay for all this? He had. I mean, some of the Republicans have challenged him. He's going to raise um, taxes ninety percent. Now, he's never really said that, but he did say it's going to be over fifty percent. But he never really detailed a comprehensive plan. Is how are you going to pay for all the services that you're promising? Because the Wall Street Journal last year calculated it would be about $18 trillion in new spending over 10 years. So the question is, how is he going to pay for it? Now, going back to Hillary Clinton, what would you do differently from Barack Obama? You seem to be tied to him. You keep making that reference. What are you going to do differently from that? Now, if the economy is doing so well from Barack Obama standpoint, the one thing that the media has not asked is if the economy is doing so well, why is poverty up higher now than it was in 2008? Why are food stamp and public assistance and welfare up higher now than in 2008, the height of the recession? So these things, the, the, the candidates, I mean, the candidates are never asked. But this is what the media has never asked the president. You say it's great. We got obviously we got room for improvement. But why are the poverty rate from public assistance up at its highest level, if the, if the economy is doing well, shouldn't the poverty rate go down? So these are some of the challenges that the Democrats have to answer for. This is their economy. They run the show. President appointed Janet Yellen to the Federal Reserve. The president runs the economy. Now, if you don't blame the president for everything, then you can't blame George Bush for the economic uh, issues or the economic collapse in 2008. Nor can you give President Clinton the full credit for um, the economy in the 90s when six of his eight years he had a Republican-controlled Congress. So these are questions Democrats need to be asked, and this is what the media needs to ask them. Now, on the Republican side, I'm going to start with the, the, the number one challenger, and that's Donald Trump. He's leading the pack. He's doing really well. If he sweeps Ohio and Florida which is a winner-take-all, the race is pretty much his. Now, the question I will ask him, he keeps saying, I'm going to make America great again. He keeps always chanting that, I'm going to make America great. We are just going to win. You're going to be so sick and tired of we're just going to win. The question I want to know is, how are you going to do that? Because if you go to his website, and I've gone to all the candidate websites, and some live a little bit more detailed than others, but all of them talk on a variety of issues. On Donald Trump's website, there's only five issues. Canada trade, the VA, taxes, uh, gun control, and there's one more escapes me, but uh, immigration, I'm sorry, immigration. That's it. There's nothing about the economy. There's nothing about anything else, even on the foreign policy side. So the question is, how are you going to make this great again? Now, in one debate, Wolf Blitzer asked him a question 
about immigration. And he had stated that I'm going to build a wall and Mexico's going to pay for it. Well, then he played a clip by former president Vincente Fox that was played on Telemundo. And Vincente Fox put out a very colorful adage, which I'm not going to go to in this podcast. And Donald Trump responded. He was very insulted. He said Vincente Fox should apologize for using coarse language. And then again, he doubled down like Donald Trump always does. Who listens to Telemundo? He badmouthed the moderates. Now, Wolf Blitzer is a very capable and very well-respected reporter, but he never questioned or never followed up on, okay, Donald, I got all that, but how are you going to make Mexico pay for it? And even the current Mexican president said, we're not paying for no wall. So these are some of the things that are going to be asked. Now, both Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are against all these trade packs, you know, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, NAFTA, all the trade parts, trade packs that are going on. And they were going to repeal them or retool them. And even Donald Trump had said that he's going to charge 40% tariffs on all Chinese goods coming into the United States. But the one thing that no one followed up on, how are you going to do this? What impact would repealing or revamping all those trade deals with their allies? Now, one has to remember in 1930, the Smoot-Hawley trade pact that put huge tariffs on all goods coming to the United States. Everybody else, all the other countries around the world did the same thing. So then the question becomes, what happens to the economy? Because when that happened, the that exacerbated the Great Depression. So these are questions the media needs to, to be asking. And if you listen to the pundits again, if you listen to the media after each debate or after each campaign rally, they play on more the theatrics, more on the verbiage and how they reacted and what they said, but they never go into the core issues. How are you going to solve some of these problems? How are you going to get your policies through a Congress that's going to be either controlled by the Republicans or evenly split? How are you going to get that done? Nobody's going to enjoy the supermajority that President Obama enjoyed his first two years and the veto-proof majority he had in the Senate. How are you going to get this stuff through? And then neither party, neither candidate is really talking about the national debt. The national debt is $19 trillion. Now, again, the Wall Street Journal reported on all Bernie Sanders spending, you know, all the free health care, free everything, attunes to $18 trillion. That's going to explode the national debt. But for the Republicans, how would you reduce the national debt, which is $19 trillion, could possibly be $20 trillion by the time President Obama leaves office? And one of the, the dr- biggest drivers of the national debt that they both sides, Republicans and Democrats, have not articulated is the entitlement spending, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Especially Medicare and Medicaid are virtually broke. And now they want to force Medicaid onto the states. Now, 12 states refused. My home state of Florida did. And the reason why, the federal government will pick up the tab for about 90%. But then each subsequent year, they're going to scale it back. And any future Congress could say, well, we got a $19 trillion debt. States, you got it. And the reason why these states said no is because most states have to have a balanced budget every year. That's by law. So if they take on Medicaid without the federal government chipping in or paying most of it, that's going to explode their budgets and they're going to be having to reduce services And there's no way they're going to go broke. And many states have. 
California and other states, Illinois and all these other states are going broke because of that. And most of the co-ops as part of the Affordable Care Act are bellied up. That's another issue that no one's addressed. Donald Trump says we are going to repeal and replace it, but he's never stipulated in a comprehensive way what he's going to replace it with. Now, Hillary Clinton says she supports, fully supports Obamacare and she's going to do like an Obamacare 2.0. But she never has articulated in a comprehensive way what she's going to do and how she's going to pay for it. Because if you make one change in one area of the Affordable Care Act, it affects everything else. Now, all the pain on the Affordable Care Act hasn't kicked in yet. Now, the Cadillac tax, which is one of the key provisions to pay for it, hasn't kicked in yet. Now, we're spending over a trillion dollars on this health care. So the affordable, excuse me, the Cadillac tax was supposed to take place in about 2017, 2018, well after President Obama leaves office. Hillary Clinton, this really affects the unions. These are the very generous health care benefits and the unions are against it. So let's say Hillary Clinton wins election. She can make the decision, well, we're not going to do the Cadillac tax. Well, then where's the funding going to come from? If the Republicans get in because of the Supreme Court decision, they can make changes the way they want to do it. All these have a direct effect on the cost. Everybody is seeing their deductibles skyrocket, their co-pays and all the like. People are not getting the coverage they were used to on the previous plans. So that question has to be answered. How are you going to pay for all this? How are you going to fix this? What are you going to do to fix it? If you're Hillary Clinton for the Republicans, what are you going to replace that plan with? And how are you going to get the opposition party, Democrats or Republicans, to join you? So there's a lot of questions that need to be answered that are not being answered. And this is where the media needs to really challenge these leaders who want to be president. We can't wait for wait till they become off. Then we figure out what they want to do. If they want to do comprehensive tax reform, what is it? How are you going to do it? Let's get a detailed plan. Let's challenge them on that. Trade. Trade is a big issue. This greatly affects the United States. A lot of states do a lot of business in international trade, especially with these Trans-Pacific Partnership. I'm not saying I'm going to advocate all all these trade deals, but some of these have been signed. What are we going to do with our foreign, um, foreign countries, our allies who supported this? So what would you do differently? What don't you like about it? What do you like about it? What would you propose? These are detailed issues that need to be addressed. Let's go to immigration. Donald Trump wants to build a wall. He wants to kick out the 12 million people currently here. Democrats really want to give them amnesty. They want to encourage people, especially children who come here, who are born here to, to illegal immigrants, or they come as children. Are they going to de- deport those? Hillary Clinton re- very reluctantly said no. I mean, excuse me, said no, she wouldn't deport children. But the question is, what comprehensive immigration? The Democrats seem to let the Republicans fight over that, but they haven't said what they would do and everything they're proposing is going to cost billions to the, to, to the taxpayers of the United States. How would they secure the border? And then the next question is, why aren't the Republicans and the Democrats f- saying, what's Mexico and, and Central America with a big proponent of big population of um, immigrants come from? What are we doing to help them solve their their economic issue. My father was an immigrant. He came from Italy after the war. The whole history of immigration is there was something precipitated 
in the immigrants' host country that forced them to come to America. So these these are complex issues and need complex answers, not campaign sign back sign campaign um, you know campaign um, bumper sticker ads. Wow. That's a tough one. Campaign bumper sticker ads or slogans. So we need to get going on that. Now we pivot to foreign policy. This this threat of international terrorism is a great threat to the United States. But if you listen to the candidates, you have two candidates, Donald Trump and um, Ted Cruz, want to bomb ISIS into oblivion. But they've never said how they were going to do it. And what war, once you start a war, you better know what you're getting yourself into. And neither of those candidates have any skin in the game. Now, obviously, Ted Cruz's children are young, but he never served. Donald Trump was old enough for Vietnam, but he got four deferments. His children are old enough to be in the military. His two boys, they're like 30, 31 around there. They're not going to be in the military. So it's eager. It's great to say what you would do with someone else's son. But I want a comprehensive strategy. What is your vision for U.S. foreign policy? Do you believe we should be engaged around the world? Why? How? Explain that to American people. If you believe we should be disengaged, why? How? Explain that to the American people. Now, the Democrats, they seem to be fighting over the relitigating the Iraq war. Now, Bernie Sanders says, we need to defeat ISIS, but I didn't vote for the war, and he pivots right back to the economy. Hillary Clinton takes a little bit more activist role, but she hasn't comprehensive explained where she really pushed President Obama to intervene in Libya, and we look how Libya is a mess, and we look at the mess in Syria. We're looking at the, our deteriorating relationship with Russia, China. All these issues were a big part of the Obama administration's first term, and Hillary Clinton was part of that. So they need to really press the candidates on these issues. What would you do differently? Now, Hillary Clinton, again, tied to uh, President Obama, whether directly or indirectly, but she said she supports everything he's done, including the nuclear deal with Iran. Now, she also says we need to get the allies on board. Well, the nuclear deal with Iran... Our allies are totally against that. They see the threat from Iran more than they do ISIS. And what are they witnessing? We give them sanction relief. We give them $150 billion more. We also, they're also seeing um, Americans taken prisoner with the two um, speedboats that were released um, shortly thereafter. They were captured in January. And they see America humiliated. They see Iran launching ballistic missiles. And we don't do a thing about it. So they're to see a weakness in the United States, and they see a disengaged United States, which causes problems around the world. Now, the, the Obama administration believes this is the way forward, that the United States needs to step back, let other countries take the lead. But he doesn't fi- uh, philosophically understand the role of the United States since the end of the Second World War, beginning with President Truman, all the way up through George W. Bush, is the United States always took the lead. We're the only nation capable, and we, once we took the lead, the lead and we were committed, other nations would follow. So the question for the, all the candidates, how would you do things? And now the candidates also have to be careful of what they say because a lot of world leaders are very worried that Donald Trump and his fiery rhetoric, he could be the next president. Now with that, 
Most people who support him, oh, he's just saying this now, but he's going to pick good people when he gets elected. How do we know that? What's his track record? Who does he listen to? Because in the last Republican debate, he said it would take 30,000 U.S. troops to defeat ISIS. The question I would have followed up on, where did you come to that number? Who's advising you on this? And not just stay, well, I'll hire the great people. I'm going to hire you. Wait and see. It's not wait and see. He came up with a number. It really wasn't debated just really quick after the debate. How did you come up with 30,000 troops? Where did that number come from? Who advised you? And who do you listen to when it comes to national security and military affairs? We don't know. Who's advising the other candidates? Bernie Sanders, as far as I know, at last report, doesn't have anybody detailing foreign policy issues. Who does Hillary Clinton listen to on foreign and military affairs? Who does Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio? None of the candidates have served in the military. So what would their policy be with defeating ISIS? What was their policy with dealing with Russia or China? International trade, immigration, and all the host of issues. How would they engage the world? What is their vision for U.S. foreign policy? These are the issues that are not being answered and need to be answered. So I would challenge my listeners to really dial in and understand what these candidates stand for and get the media to challenge these candidates in these town halls and quit revolting back to this candidate said this about you. How do you respond? I don't care what each candidate said about each other. This is our country. We need to take America and make it America back again and strengthen America. So let's get the media to challenge these candidates in these debates in town hall and quit throwing them softball questions. Because if we elect the wrong candidate or we elect a candidate that we didn't properly vet and understand what they would do, we're going to have a long four years. So I tell everybody, it's if this is our country. If we don't take part, we're going to get the government that we deserve and because we failed in our actions. Let's really forget the rhetoric, how people say things, and let's see what their policies are. Let's force them to answer these questions. So I'm going to keep following up on this election. Please go to Stitcher and iTunes. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear. Let me know what you want me to research. I will research and get you an answer to it. If you also get a chance, go to the Go get my book on Amazon or any of the major booksellers. It's called The New Business Brigade. And the premise of the book is why veterans, why, excuse me, why businesses need to hire veterans and the untapped resource they represent. So again, go to my website, Ubaldi Reports. Listen up. Tell your friends about this. And again, we've got to get these candidates to answer these questions. So I say this again. Listen to Ubaldi Reports, and let's get our country going. Thanks again, and until next time, we'll listen to you, and we'll have you on you. Well, listen to you. Keep listening to Ubaldi Reports. Take care. <laughs>